Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 313 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading John chapter 20 today, and our focus is on how did the Bible's holy day switch from Saturday to Sunday, and another edition of How Can We Know Jesus Rose from the Dead. Well, thanks for joining us. Every day we seek to get into God's Word, trying to understand it so we can follow and obey it. Our website is Bible2021.com. That is B-I-B-L-E-2021.com. As I say all the time, every episode of the podcast has its own blog post, which serves as a transcript, and you can find all of that on Bible2021.com. The resurrection of Jesus is literally my favorite topic in all of the Bible to talk about, so today's episode is quite fun for me, and there's a double bonus too, because we're also going to talk a bit about one of my top, I don't know, three, maybe four Bible verses, which is John 20, 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, says John, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So why were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John written? What's their point? As John tells us, they were written so that we, you and I, readers of God's word, might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, and the Son of God, and that believing that, we might have life, life in his name. I love that. That's the thing about the Bible. It isn't just a history book. It isn't just a book of stories or commands or rules to live by. Of course, it's not just a collection of cautionary tales that we read and learn from. This book has life. It's living. It's active. And it introduces us to and points us to Jesus, the one who can give us eternal life in his name. How can that eternal life become available? Well, through believing or faith. They're pretty much the same word in the Bible. Believing in and following the words of Jesus you are hearing about in the pages of John will bring you eternal life in his heaven forever. That's great news. Now let's talk about the resurrection. In today's chapter of John, we will see several people have individual experiences of the resurrected Jesus, and they're all really quite different. For instance, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb first. And by the way, very important that in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mary Magdalene is the first witness of the resurrected Jesus. And I believe it's Matthew that tells us there was another Mary with her, um, but it's pretty fascinating that a woman at that time was the first witness of the resurrection of Jesus, that something amazing had happened. And when she got to the tomb at very first, it was dark, and she sees that the stone had been rolled away from his tomb, but she doesn't know what it means, right? So she's kind of scared, and she runs and tells Peter and John that somebody has taken Jesus. Then she apparently comes back to the tomb, and while she's crying and just sort of looking around, not knowing what to do, she has a personal encounter with Jesus face to face. And again, she's apparently the first one after his resurrection to actually see and talk to Jesus. Pretty fascinating. Now, Peter and John, alerted by Mary, run to the empty tomb and actually stick their head in and go in, but they don't see anything but the grave clothes there, neatly folded and left behind, which would certainly rule out any sort of grave robbery scenario. They don't see Jesus, though, at the tomb site like Mary did but they do encounter him later when he appears to them and the other disciples, minus Thomas, 
in a locked room. Like they're meeting, maybe they're afraid because the Bible tells us the room was locked and uh, they're like, well, what do we do? What do you think this empty tomb stuff means? And all of a sudden, boom, Jesus is like there. And their first response is not like, oh, wow, we totally knew you were going to rise from the dead. No, their first response was, hey, it's a ghost. And they were terrified. Well, Thomas, missing out on that first encounter, tells his fellow disciples that he won't believe Jesus is raised from the dead in the flesh unless he can put his hands on and in the wounds of crucifixion on Jesus. One week later, he's going to get his opportunity as Jesus appears among the gathered disciples again in a locked room, and he invites Thomas to examine and touch his wounds, which Thomas does, becoming immediately convinced of his resurrection. Now, Thomas has often been disparaged and called Doubting Thomas because of his initial skepticism, but to my knowledge, Thomas is also the first in Scripture to so blatantly confess Jesus as God. As we see in verse 28, Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. So if Thomas did doubt, it was a brief period of doubt. He didn't doubt long and he more than made up for it with his confession of who Jesus is. Well, how can we know beyond trusting the written witnesses of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus rose from the grave? Well, I think that's such a good question that I wrote a whole book on it. And the book is called Easter Fact or Fiction. Easter Fact or Fiction, in which I try to give at least... 20 reasons that I think are very rational to believe Jesus rose from the dead. You can buy that book on Amazon, and uh, if you want to find a link to it, you can certainly find it uh, from our blog post today on Bible2021.com, or you can simply go to Amazon and just uh, search for Easter Fact or Fiction. But today, we're going to discuss one of those reasons to believe. Do you happen to remember how John 19 ended yesterday when we read it? If you don't, here's the last verse. They placed Jesus there in the tomb because of the Jewish day of preparation. So what is the day of preparation? Well, that refers to the Sabbath. Now, the Jews universally celebrated or followed or obeyed the rules of the Sabbath on Saturday back in the first century. But something quite remarkable happened with many of the Jewish people in regards to the Sabbath after the resurrection of Jesus. And that historical change, I believe, gives us evidence in favor of a literal and bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now, keep in mind, this is one of 20 proofs or reasons to believe I talk about in the book Easter Factor Fiction. It's not meant to convince us by itself, but I believe it does provide reasonable evidence to believe Jesus was raised from the dead. So the Sabbath day is a critically important Bible topic, especially in the Old Testament. The word itself is used approximately 150 times in the Bible, with several long and detailed discussions in the Old Testament that outline how the Jewish people were to deal with the Sabbath day. Now, strangely enough, something radically changed after the resurrection of Jesus because the Sabbath is only mentioned 11 times including such verses as Corinthians, Colossians 2, which seems to imply quite strongly that individual Christians had liberty as to how they observed the Sabbath. Not only that, but it is quite clear from passages in the book of Acts and in the book of Corinthians that Christians, unlike Jews, met together for corporate worship on a Sunday and not on a Sabbath day. 
This might not seem like a huge shift for some, but do keep in mind that this represented the changing of thousands, literally thousands of years of Jewish history, and that change happened remarkably fast in a few years or less. What was the catalyst for that massive calendar change? Well, the resurrection, of course. All of the church, even Jewish believers who had been worshiping on the Sabbath or Saturday, their entire lives were worshiping on Sunday post-resurrection. A major shift had happened and happened quickly. The resurrection is a very plausible explanation for such a shift. As further evidence of that major shift and the reasons behind it, I want to read to you one of the earliest descriptions outside of the Bible of the gathering of the early church. And this is written by an early church father named Justin Martyr in the 150s AD. So a little over A hundred years after Jesus rose from the dead, he says, On the day which is called Sunday, we have a common assembly of all who live in the cities or in the outlying districts, and the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as there is time. Then, when the reader has finished, the president of the assembly verbally admonishes and invites all to imitate such examples of virtue. Then we all stand up together and offer up our prayers, and after we finish our prayers, bread and wine and water are presented. He who presides likewise offers up prayers and thanksgivings to the best of his ability, and the people express their approval by saying, Amen. The Eucharistic elements are distributed and consumed by those present, and to those who are absent, they are sent through the deacons. The wealthy, if they wish, contribute whatever they desire, and the collection is placed in the custody of the president. With it, he helps the orphans and widows, those who are needy because of sickness or any other reason, and the captives and strangers in our midst. In short, he takes care of all those in need. Sunday is the day which we hold our common assembly because it is the first day on which God, transforming the darkness and matter, created the world. And our Savior, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead on the same day. For they crucified him on the day before that of Saturn, and on the day after, which is Sunday, he appeared to his apostles and disciples and taught them the things which we have passed on to you also for consideration. Well, that's fascinating. They didn't call the leader of the the church readings the pastor. They called him the president, which is uh, pretty funny. Well, let us go ahead and read our chapter together. It is John chapter 20. I love it. I love it. I love it. Verse 1, the Christian Standard Bible. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then went in also, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at his feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? 
because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have yet to ascend to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and she told them what he said to her. When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with him when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Well, let's close with our Bible memory passage for the month of November. It is John 14, 6. Let's say it together. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.